Hello. Hi. How are you? You know, I am okay, because today is the first day of fall. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, because it is the first day of September. Okay, well then even if we're like, oh, September 21st isn't the real first day of fall, which it is, like, given that it's the fall equinox, fall does not begin until after Labor Day, so you're wrong twice. I, nope. It's the feel. It's the vibe. It's hot out. It's been raining all day. And it's hot. No. It's warm rain. There's not a single leaf on the ground. I think that it has fallen in my heart. That is and a, that is what matters. Uh, mm, I think that you should wait till after Labor Day. Well, I uh, detest summer, so I think that's where the difference is coming in here. Yeah, you do have bad season opinions. Julia uh, thinks spring is all right, and God, is it fine. not. It's horrible. It's the worst season. I feel middling towards it. Everybody who's listening in the Southern Hemisphere is like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Well, it's just, you know, they're getting ready for summer. Weather. They're getting ready for spring. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. Sorry, you're getting ready for the worst season, everybody, in the Southern Hemisphere. It's horrible. People are always like, well, what if you had a spring birthday? And I'm like, I do do have a spring birthday. I have a summer birthday. It's the worst season. Ugh. No. The produce is so fresh. It's hot. That's my problem. Yeah, but I have so many gripes with spring and... Like, least of which is it cold. <laughs> I'm really trying to think of, like, what you could possibly have issues with spring. Besides the allergy part of it. Uh, well, one, my allergies could kill a small horse. Uh, and two, it's the it's so claustrophobic. By the time spring rolls around, I want so bad to get out of my winter clothes. And winter lasts for eight years if you live where we live. So, like, it's just... It's suffocating. Well, so you're mad at winter. No, I'm mad at spring. Because if it's winter, I'm just like, I accept it's cold. I like it being cold. I sort of like the steady temperatures in the below freezing area. But the sort of like pissy, gross, cold, wet rain of like 40 degrees that lasts for three months is just heinous. I... I love doom and gloom, so that's all right with me. I can't go outside. Also, you know what it is? Is that I like being outside so much. Mm, Can't relate. Oh my gosh, I love being outside. My preferred state of being is outside, so spring is horrible. Fascinating. People who live in temperature, like people who live in the South, though, like love spring because like spring is actually agreeable there. Like Madison was really, my twin sister was really sad she wasn't going to be in Baltimore for spring because that's the one time of the year it's like palatable to be in Baltimore. Hmm. Because it's warm and not. Yeah, having grown up in that area, I am, I'm well aware of the lovely two-week period of not suffering. Yeah, she's happy she missed summer in Baltimore, though. It is gross. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's like walking through soup. You, like, you think New York smells bad in the summer? Mm-mm. Oh, Baltimore. <laughs> there were days during the summer when I was a kid where like the public bus would be free because the air quality is so bad. Because it's just that humid, and it's just that gross. That's really nasty. Yeah, but I would ride the bus a lot, so love it when it was free. Yeah, (laughs) fair. True. Uh, Should we talk about Teen Wolf? This is the first time I feel like we started talking about, like, something as innocuous as the weather and didn't just go, this week in coronavirus. (laughs) Well, I just feel like when the world is consistently on fire, 
It's just, you know. Yeah. We would love a distraction from the world being on fire. Eventually we run out of commentary too if things are just going to stay this bad. Yeah, I am exhausted. It's like you guys know. You know. I did read though that today, and this will upset you, that uh, in this is, you, there's not serious like there's there's a little bit it's like this is a hard thing to quantify but uh even though uh america only makes up four percent of the world's population we make up 22 percent of the corona deaths i had not heard that specific number but that is massively depressing it really is sad um yeah what a horrifying thing. And and what's right around the corner? Normal flu season. Get your flu shots, everybody. Every get them at I, your pharmacy. Every time I've gotten a flu shot, it made me sick. Although it, all this does remind me of, did you read the Georgia Nicholson series? No. I know we talked about it in our Corona mini, so I just couldn't remember if you'd read it. But she refers to uh, America as land of the free, home of the criminally insane. <laughs> She's not wrong. No, and every time I read statistics like that, I'm like, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what episode do we talk about this? What are we talking about this week, Julia? We are talking about season three, episode eight. It is called Visionary. It is. Which is, I don't know, is that mean? Well, no, I get what they're trying to do. Uh, because it's supposed to be like visions of the past and Deucalion's eyes or whatever. I think mm-hmm. there was a better name, like even a more poetic name to go into this. Probably. Yeah. Well, because, and I think the visionary, like the person is Deucalion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But it's also Deaton kind of, I but guess. you know what? We are going to get into that. But before mm-hmm. we do that, we do have to do our 60 second recap and guess who's going first. That would be me yep are you ready i think so all right i feel like honestly there's so much sort of um there's like a lot of scenes where it's just like sort of uh choral music playing <laughs> there's like <laughs> the, the plot is actually not major dense in this one no it's not and it's atypical of your average ep of teen wolf um, very much so gonna count you down in three two one Okay, flashback to baby Derek being hunted by the Argents a long, long time ago, and then we flash forward to the present, and Derek is missing, and Styles is like, what's the deal? And uh, Peter's like, I'm going to tell you the story of why Derek's eyes are blue, because we all care about that, apparently. Um, and it's because he fell in love when he was in high school. Meanwhile, Allison and Scott have gone to Gerard to try and figure out what he knows about Deucalion, and he won't tell them until Scott decides to take away some of his pain. And then he's like, I don't know anything, which is total bullshit. And then he starts telling his story about Deucalion. And we find out that a long time ago, when they were hunting, the Alpha Pack uh, came to Beacon Hills because they were all kind of rallying around Talia, and Gerard killed one of their own. And and so uh, Ennis decides that he's going to go be get, wreak revenge on them. And he, cause he tries to get the body from the hospital and he can't, it was ripped in half. And they're like, you can't reason with a man like that. And meanwhile, at the high, at the high school, um, there's a girl named Paige and she plays the cello and young Derek is obsessed with her. And um, Peter decides that he wants to mess with Derek and is like, you should nope, dude. <laughs> I really thought I, I knew what was going on. I yeah. like saw it all in my head. Maybe there was more happening than we thought. Maybe. There's two stories, like, yeah. happening concurrently. Yeah. But I did not even get... I got three quarters of the way through. A third. Two thirds. Two thirds? I'll give yeah. you two thirds. Okay. Um, let's see if you can do better than me. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Three, 
two, one, go. So baby Derek is being hunted by the Argents, and uh, then he sees a different uh, werewolf being killed, and then him and Peter hide in the root cellar, and then Styles and Cora and Peter are all talking about Derek, and they're like, we'll tell you why his eyes are blue. And then Elson and Scott go and visit Gerard, uh, and then he decides to tell them about Ducalion, but only after Scott takes his pain. Baby Derek uh, is like kind of an asshole to Paige, but then they like fall in love because of whatever, I don't know. Uh, Gerard suggests that the Deaton might be the Duroc, and then he tells them Ducalion isn't always blind. Baby Derek and Paige uh, play Haunted House, um, before the alphas roll up to this creepy like building with Talia and uh, and it, it, we realize that the person who the werewolf that was killed at the beginning was part of Ennis's pack and he wants revenge and they're like no we have to be reasonable about this and like Derek kind of decides he wants to turn Paige and then Peter convinces him like that's what you need to do is turn her into werewolf so you can be together forever and then um, Chris kind of and Gerard like in the past are explaining like what a nematon is and then Gerard explains the myth of uh, like like Kayan, which doesn't actually exist, and the relationship to the Druids. Oh, oh my gosh. We are done. Yeah, I, I guess a lot. We spoke too soon when we said that not a lot happens. I, do, I still don't actually think a lot does happen. I just think that, like, this, like there's just a, 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 te- a bunch of teeny tiny mini scenes. Yeah. What we basically miss is that uh, Ennis bites Paige at. Derek's request and she does not make it and he kills her to take away her like basically a mercy killing in the nematon mm-hmm. um and uh Deucalion sets up a parlay with Gerard in the distillery <laughs> and we find out that Gerard set up a trap for them and is the one to blind Deucalion and that's what sets off his killing spree where he kills the rest of his pack and becomes the demon wolf and it is horrific it is yeah um both the way because Gerard kills like some of his own people um and then like it, it's just so gross it's awful yeah mm-hmm. a, a despicable person it's funny because when you when we are doing this and you kind of have the two the enemy of last season next to the enemy of this season obviously this episode is meant to uh make you sympathize with Deucalion but oh my god is he a more like graceful villain yeah, especially everything we've gone through with Gerard, there was nothing that the writers needed to do to make me believe that he was evil. And now it's just like nauseating yeah. how horrible he is. Yeah. Um, I didn't need that in my life. Yeah, it's also just like not really all that interesting to me. <laughs> like I'm actually like, no, I get it. I know. I know. Yeah, we know he's evil. Yeah. We didn't necessarily need this. And we just like set this, all this, all this does is like, it's funny because I think I, we were talking about this before we started recording is about how like Peter is somebody who his evil is some, is like out of personal gain or a little bit, maybe chaos for chaos's sake sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though he does like really despicable, horrible things, he has enough about his character where you don't forgive the evilness, but you understand it. Whereas Gerard is just a psychopath. I mean, like literally does no sense of like human emotion, which is boring to me because this is a show about how people relate to each other as most pieces of dramatic media are. Yeah. He's sadistic. Yeah. It's, um, where, it's funny because Gerard is a psychopath, but I would I would consider Peter to be a sociopath, and sociopaths have the ability mm-hmm. to make that connection, and that's why he's more palatable. And you also, like, nine times out of ten, Gerard is just doing things because he, like, hurt people. 
Yeah, I mean, if Gerard, Gerard's character, obviously, like, when you watch, um, like, horror movies, that's something that is compelling because the, there needs to be a reason for horror in movies. And if the reason is just, like, you know, the worst of humanity, that, mm-hmm. you know, all monsters are human type shit, uh, it doesn't really fit here. No, especially the way that they've built up the world and uh, the players in it. Mm-hmm. It's just not compelling within that particular scenario. But since we're talking about Gerard, we should a little bit move into our theme because he's such a major player in it. And this week mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about uh, this episode through myth, which kind of happens in two different regards. We're both hearing myths, legends, you know, stories about these characters that become like I, part of the Teen Wolf dogma, if you will. But it also exists in that um, a more sort of like literary sense of the word myth so we're actually like hearing myths about the creation of werewolves we're hearing parables and stuff so do you want to kind of start with gerard's half of the story since that's kind of how it's split up yeah let's let's do that um he drops a lot into the story that he's telling like not only is he um completely lying about the events that went down with Deucalion and creating this false myth of what happened. But he's also explaining to Scott, uh, like where werewolves come from in theory, um, and teaching him about the myths of the, the Druids. Um, so in a way we're kind of getting more of the lore that we have been asking for. Mm -hmm. Um, but none of it feels particularly helpful. I think there is a realm in which it is helpful. Uh, it, that realm was just not written by the team writers. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I do... What's funny about this all is that even though he is lying, and I think this is kind of true with Derek's story, or with Peter's story as well, is that, like, the main takeaways from the story, like, the things that's actually useful to them, isn't the shit they're lying about. Mm-hmm. What Scott needs to know is that Deucalion can see as a wolf. Which is such a weird distinction, but helpful, I guess. And what Styles needs to know is, one, that why Derek's eyes are blue, but, like, two, that somebody died in the Nemeton. Yes. Which is not useful information now, but, like, that's a helpful tool for later or whatever. Yeah. There's like a little nugget dropped in when Gerard and Chris in the past run into that tree. Um, and Chris is like, this is a nematon because Chris just knows everything. Apparently. Um, very sexy of him. Yeah. That's why he's a Ravenclaw. I, I miss him. He hasn't been around much. I know. Um, so that's like dropped in as a little hint and it comes up later in the story. And then of course we all know that it becomes, extremely important but there are like little seeds being dropped throughout the storytelling um in this particular episode yeah but when i you know saying that it's like even if sort of the vehicle for these uh truths have changed because deucalion not deucalion uh, Peter and Gerard are altering the stories to fit their agenda. The main takeaways that we need as viewers and as like part of the pack have nothing to do with the shit they lie about. Yeah. Like it would be helpful to know why Deucalion is off his fucking rocker and that it's because Gerard is 
a psycho, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really do anything for Scott, I guess is what I'm saying. No, this episode doesn't really feel like it's advancing the plot. I, and it's not. I don't think that's what it's mm-hmm. meant to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is definitely filler. It's very artsy filler. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's funny to hear Scott do that whole thing at the end where he's like, if you were lying about any of this, I'll come, I'll, I'll kill you. Thre- Scott threatens to kill him, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, true. But he probably is lying. And also what does it, at a certain point, what does it matter? Yeah. Well, and, and also it's very interesting to have both of these stories coming from two people who we know historically are very untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. Like none of the characters have any reason to believe them a hundred percent. Which Styles brings up at the end that they're listening to unreliable narrators, which is wow, that is tenth grade English. So heavy handed. I know. He's like, We're reading what book are they reading? Heart of Darkness, Jason Conrad. Yeah. Um Yeah. Does any of you guys have to read that? Wolfpack? I didn't have I did not to, have to but I do remember like reading The Catcher in the Rye in high school and my teacher being like, remember, you can't believe anything Holden says. And I'm like, I, I actually just choose to take it at face value. <laughs> it is, it is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually think that Heart of Darkness is about, um, King Leopold, uh, in the Congo and how he slaughtered millions and millions of Africans. Oh, okay. So maybe that is the definite better example. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a really excellent uh, uh, podcast episode about it on Noble Blood. I encourage everyone to listen to it because it is horrifying history. But that's what Heart of Darkness is about, if you were curious. Well, now we know. But I guess yeah. that is it is truer to uh, what Styles is referencing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we have this big story with Gerard, this myth that he has created. And it just makes you think that that this is, you know, how all myth is actually sort of translated. It's why like there's so many different versions of all of the Grecian stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how we pretty much know that there's no possible way to figure out what the original version of the Odyssey was because up until somebody wrote it down, it was just a giant game of telephone all over ancient Greece because bards would like come to new <laughs> cities and tell whatever part of the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that we're sitting here being like, this isn't the truth or whatever, but like that is how, you know, these stories are actually created. Well, and even in a more contemporary sense, the phrase history is written by the victors. Um, the reason that Gerard gets to tell that story where he's the hero is because he won. Scott's not going to go ask Deucalion about that story. Does Deucalion ever tell them, though, that it was Gerard who blinded him? I cannot remember. I can't either. We'll get there soon. Um, Yeah, and I I do have a question about, like, what you think about the place that the, like, myths that Gerard brings into his story have. Because I know you did some research. (laughs) Well, um, so one... The the parable of like the scorpion and the toad, which is not a myth, but it's like one of Aesop's fables, I guess, um, is told on every single TV show ever to make a point about human nature or scorpion nature. I don't know. It's so boring. It's boring. And I really the only reason I can think that uh, Gerard is telling Scott that is to like illustrate that Deucalion is irredeemable and he's just the scorpion. I mean, I do think that the one interesting part about them using that, what is a a deeply reductive parable, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually signify anything to anybody, doesn't make any moral statements um, other than like, 
bad people are inherently bad, which is something I vehemently disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that Gerard uses it to convince Scott that Deucalion is the bad actor in his story, uh, because that does actually let us know that Gerard also thinks it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> so in that way, it's kind of intelligent. Um, less so on Peter's end. <laughs> yeah. I honestly... Or not Peter's end. uh, Deaton's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Deaton is trying to warn Deucalion of Gerard's nature. So it's being told about each actor Mm -hmm. um, by, you know, basically they're trying to convince each other that the other person is Mm -hmm. evil, um, which is nuts. Yeah. And just goes to show you that they're both evil. Well, Deucalion is not... I would not call him evil. No, but he is a, a bad, bad person. Bad, he's yeah. a bad, he's the bad guy. He is the v- villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially by the end of the episode, I'm like, mm, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you looked up, uh, some stuff about, uh, the Prometheus, Prometheus thing that Gerard yeah. talks about, which yeah. doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, in a, in a way it, it kind of does. There is no, uh, such person called Lycan, and maybe that wasn't the implication. Maybe we just reread that. But Prometheus's son is Deucalion. He may have had other sons, but this is the one that's important to the story. And um, basically, he says that uh, humans felt that they owed their lives more to Prometheus, bringer of fire, which makes sense uh, than the gods. And so Deucalion kind of went out of his way to taunt the gods. He uh, tried to serve Zeus human flesh, which Zeus is a terrible. Uh, just like not a good guy, uh, so I don't really know why that's such a big deal. But it but, is. But it is a no-no in like many Greek myths to serve the gods' human flesh. You get punished immediately. So that does, it doesn't shock me that that's something that they made up for this story. Yeah. Um, but so I, that that very well may be true um, that he did that. Um, and then basically the punishment is that he turns into a werewolf and or whatever. And then they ask another god to turn them back or take away their affliction and uh she says well i can't do that but i can show you how to be a human again no um, it's the druids or the druids yeah which uh what <laughs> what well the takeaway from that which i think is important and serves gerard's story is that lycanthropy is like punishment for a, a sin it is a divine punishment mm-hmm. like handed down from God that signifies that you are bad, that you are other, that you are not a human anymore. Um, which is how Gerard views werewolves. So that makes total sense. And why he also would be wary of emissaries who come in and show them their humanity. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. it's specifically said that, like... But that was something interesting to me, that, like, in the sort of werewolf mythology of Teen Wolf, there needs to be somebody to remind them of their humanity. Um, mm-hmm. Which, in my experience of knowing anything about these werewolves, who pretty much, for the most part, operate without an emissary because Deaton, like, does not do his job, they're all pretty good, with the exception of Peter, at staying human. They are, and also, when I think of the term, like, emissary... I would expect Deaton to like do things for the pack, like be kind of a go between. And he's like, that's not the function we see him performing. No, Scott's their emissary. 
Scott is like always operating on the side of like human life and stuff. And then like Styles picks up the sort of logic background shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Deaton is helpful because he um, has knowledge. Yeah. But like De- if, on that end, like Wikipedia could be your emissary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's also like the implication that we've heard uh, in past episodes that like emissaries are there to um, maintain balance but what does what do any of them do to do that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's 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 interesting to me because like in terms of myth, especially on I think Gerard's side because he is trying so much more to like reach for the profound, whereas Peter's story is less so mm-hmm. and in a way more heartfelt. Uh, because Gerard is reaching so hard for all of these big sort of ideas, uh, it ends up cheapening all of them and then making it so none of them are very cohesive i don't really know how we get from emissary to like kn well because the emissaries like helped that i don't know it doesn't why would he be telling them that is my question like besides implying that werewolves are subhuman yeah we know that we know he thinks that well i also think there's story there there are things being told in both peter and gerard's story that happen uh in both stories that don't need to because scott and styles are going to reconvene at the end and give each other the information any misinformation Mm -hmm. we don't need the redundancy and that's where the stories start to fall apart is like where they're trying to force in that stuff yeah being like oh then like hey and went to Ireland? What would have been ancient Ireland? Why? How is he getting there? Um, from Greece. A boat. A, uh, a boat a and camel. then a lot, a lot of walking. Know. You'd yeah. have to go all the way through Europe. Yes, you would. Um, and then another boat. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Um, I am just... It just felt so... Um, it, like... It, it, we're trying too hard to mix these mythologies and ultimately weakening them. Yeah. I think that's part of where the mythology of Teen Wolf itself falls apart. True that. Because they try to bring in so many elements and we see this, especially in like season four um, and even three B. And I don't mind that because there are so many different like werewolf stories across the world. It's not a concept unique to like Ireland or Greece or whatever they were trying to imply. Um, So I don't really mind it, but there is no effort to make it more cohesive. Mm -mm. And like all of the, I have questions about werewolf lore from this particular episode that was supposed to be explaining it to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's funny because when you go through when you go through um, Gerard's story, not the one that he's telling, but the one that we're seeing. So the one that where we know that he is the one who brutalized Deucalion and also chopped that kid in half with a broadsword, no less. <sighs> Classy. I mean, at least it wasn't a chainsaw. And yet, again, back to the horror movie thing. I'd agree with that more. It is the attempt to, to like be graceful that's just not it's not it it doesn't land no um but it's interesting because deucalion in the figure of his story actually does really resemble like what sort of you know shakespearean tragedy whatever you know Mm -hmm. theban play you want to bring up very specifically one theban play and that's oedipus (laughs) um not in the way you're thinking um 
so it, it, he has all of the tools to make this story work. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move into talking about the story that Peter is telling Styles and Cora? Do let's. Do let's. Um, weird note, I really kind of liked all the bits with Styles and Cora, and I think I remember about this episode, I was like, oh, she might be introduced as like a love interest for Styles. And I always thought that that was like kind of a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know when Rain started, but I think it, it must have been after this because they were doing such a good job of like trying to integrate her into the main cast that not a great not, job, but like stuff like well, this, well, you know, stuff like this is like, oh, I do see where Cora starts to have relationships with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like Styles is just hanging out in Derek's apartment with like Derek's <laughs> family, just like solo. It, like I kind of wish Chilling. Lydia had been there. I feel like it would have made more sense if he had brought a friend. Well, especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the ending of the last episode. Like, it ends with Boyd dying, and then, like, Scott goes and gets his boss. And is there any sort of, like, reconvening after that? Not I'm, that I remember. Because this episode just start. We uh, accidentally jumped in, like, five minutes into the episode, and we were so confused because it really just jumps right in. And so we have no idea why Styles is just hanging out. No, we don't. And it's clearly not the same day no he says Derek's been gone for two days yeah Derek's been gone for two days uh he seems remarkably unupset by Boyd's death which is again why don't you they don't bury their dead on Teen Wolf it's a serious problem no and well at literally at the beginning of that whole scene uh Styles is just like listing off all of the horrible things that have happened and like this is not the fault of Dylan O'Brien but no emotion like he starts to kind of show and you're like he's clearly stressed about this but nobody else on the show is allowed to be sad yeah ever yeah except for now Derek Derek has he not always been sad yeah but now we know why angry Mm -hmm. yeah so Peter's story goes through and is about how Derek had to mercy kill his girlfriend which is a crazy sad thing also kind of like a little Grecian Mm -hmm. you ask me um or any other, you know, ancient oh. literature. Yeah, it's a little, it's like Romeo and Juliet gone wrong. Kind of. It is definitely like a story of man's hubris. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. sorry, go oh, ahead. And also just like uh, Peter as master manipulator. Yeah, Peter's great. But again, mm-hmm. Peter, in, in the myth that he is telling, uh, his biggest lie is that he... Can, is that he says that Derek is the one who insisted that they turn page, mm-hmm. uh, but it was him. Yeah. But it's still not clear as to whether or not they both asked Ennis to bite her or... Because he's sitting in the locker room. He knows it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Derek agrees. So Peter's biggest lie is also, again, not even that big of a deal because even if Peter didn't blame Derek, Derek would still be blaming himself. Yeah. So I don't really understand. I I think there needed to be a bigger twist in his story for me to be like, oh yeah, it's really important that we get this from Peter's perspective to understand how different it actually is from real life. Yeah, because ultimately we don't know why he wanted to encourage Derek to get Paige turned. He suggests it as a way for them to like be together forever because you know that's how relationships between fifteen year olds turn out that they're together forever. Um, and he, like, posits it as a good thing for Paige that she'll stay 
young and healthy and she won't get sick and blah, blah, blah. But like, what is the benefit to Peter? Uh, I mean, he mentions that like, uh, it will be in like good grace. It'll get Ennis in good graces with Talia's pack, but I'm not entirely sure why he would want that or if he, or I mean, I guess there's sort of like, if you extrapolate far enough, if Ennis is on good terms with Talia, she can agree to let him go after Gerard and kill the Argents. But going through that step, like that process of mm-hmm. me, you know, reaching for that conclusion is not good storytelling. I also kind of wonder if it has something to do with the family dynamic between Derek and Peter, because I don't really understand why they made Derek, uh, or they made Peter Derek's uncle instead of like his cousin, because that makes more sense to me. Yeah. But it's very explicit that Peter is Talia's brother. And but he's like so much younger he's than so her. So much younger than her. And, and what? Because <laughs> like Derek is coded. Tyler Hecklin is not a it, not a person of color, color as far as we know. But then Derek comes in in season four, like speaking perfect Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I I just I don't know. <laughs> They're they are coded as not white. Yes. And then Peter is white, very white. He's like the Loki of their family. An excellent comparison instead but like instead of being blue (laughs) he's white he's just white uh i I mean i think that peter is i think peter wants things i think peter wants to like be the alpha because that's his whole thing in the in the first season so perhaps and this is extrapolating so far out of what we're being told but perhaps he thinks that if something goes wrong and Derek is damaged through this process that Peter then becomes like the next in line. Cause I think it's implied that Derek is like the successor oh, okay. to Talia. I don't know. This So this, I'm trying this to was give how him he a... killed princess Diana. I guess so. No car crash needed. They really murdered her. They really did. <laughs> um, it's interesting. It frustrates me that we don't have a solid reason as to why he would lie other than him being Peter, which I am a little bit like, sure, whatever. Cause he's Peter. Mm hmm. But it usually benefits him in some way. Yeah. And if, if, if the benefit is just him looking better to Styles and Cora, they already don't trust him. So what's the point? And he's well aware of that. Yeah. Um, but he is creating um, what is essentially like Derek's origin story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn about the eyes, which is kind of fun. Um but also is unimportant. <laughs> it's so unnecessary. We already know that the red eyes are alpha or whatever. And no one asked. No one. It's like, okay, look, I, uh, I really enjoyed Rogue One, but nobody asked the Star Wars people how they got the plans for the Death Star. No one asked for that movie. Yeah. And that's what I feel like this is. Yeah. It's, it's fun to know. It's good to know. It's an mm-hmm. enjoyable time. World building. Yeah. Um, and I actually was really not looking forward to this episode when we started watching it, but then kind of eased into it a little bit more as we were going, because I was just like, I will listen to choral music. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the parallel structure of the stories, even though they start to get a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're going to do flashbacks, I think it works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, I almost also sometimes, like, I would rather... 
even though this is such a filler episode, I'd rather we just get all of Deucalion's backstory in one go instead of like a bunch of flashbacks over the last seven episodes, mm-hmm. which there's already not enough room in Teen Wolf. No. Um, but, but Derek's story strikes me as interesting um, because why is this in- pertinent now? Is it because he killed Boyd? I mean, I have to assume so that this is like the second actual... Like, Boyd was the only other actual innocent life he ever, he ever took. Yeah. So he would have to dip and go deal with that because that is a crazy, crazy thing. But it also then just frustrates me that we don't get to see Derek mourning because Teen Wolf does not bury their dead. Yeah. The, the only other explanation I could think of as to why it's important now is because Peter makes it a point when he is beginning to tell this story that once upon a time Derek used to be a lot like Scott I am not 100% sure what the point of that is. I feel like he's trying to draw a line between the two of them and imply that Scott's going to do something, mm-hmm. which he kind of, like, I mean, not that Gerard would be an innocent life, but he does imply that he would murder Gerard at the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, and then they don't even do a good job of, like, bringing parallels between a young Derek to Scott. No, because all of young Derek stuff, like at the beginning when he's just sort of being a young dude, I was like, Scott would never be a mean to a girl like that. No, particularly it's like the, it's like when you hold a short kid's lunch bag above your head. Cause you're tall and you're like, jump for it shrimpy. And you're like, that's just so mean. Yeah. Why would Derek have done that with the stupid basketball? I don't know. Scott would never. Also like I, I hate, hate it. When people are like, well, it's teenagers. He was mean to her, and that's how they fell in love. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. That is how, that is how pe- people get conditioned to abuse. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's, that's, that drives me nuts. Like, I used to work with kids, and I would hear teachers be like, oh, it's okay. You know, he just likes you. And I'm like, mm-mm, no, 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 no absolutely no. not. No. It's not that he just likes you. It's just that he thinks he can get away with pushing you. Yeah. He likes exerting power over you, and that's gross. Ding. Um, but ultimately, you know, they, they do fall in love. Uh, it, it, it's interesting how little happens in their love story, though. Like, Peter's myth that he tells is altogether very short. Yes. He Be- could have told it in five minutes and been like, and then he had to kill her. Oops. It's weird. And they also, like, they try to build it around Gerard's story because it's all happening at the same time. But there's no, like, they don't cross over. There's no real consequences of one story crossing over into another. Mm -mm. Besides the fact that Ennis is involved. Which, there's no consequences to that. No. Truly, like, things can happen concurrently and have nothing to do with one another. Like, (laughs) yeah. Uh... This episode, I mean, that story feels like consequence less. Like, why did Peter tell that story? Um, To make us sympathize with Derek. I think the audience could use a reason to sympathize with Derek at this point. Um, it's good to know that Derek has taken a life because we know that that would be the thing that would prevent him from becoming a true alpha. Mm-hmm. That, cause that like is the difference, like the major difference now, like Derek could have been on his way to being a true alpha or whatever, but probably not. But like he can't because of yeah. that that it, I, I like the idea that it rips your soul kind of horcrux style so dramatic uh but yeah i i am I'm, I'm struggling with that i mean i think you know there there are but there are always lesser myths you know mm-hmm. 
It's interesting. Like even when you like read, you know, even when you're reading, reading like the Iliad or like the Odyssey or whatever, there's always like separate things that have their own story, but Odysseus is just like slightly encountering them and then moving forward. Like a little side quest. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sirens, like they're their own thing. Odysseus runs (laughs) into them and then keeps going. Yeah. Um, So this felt like a side quest, A, a, a lesser myth to Gerard's greater one, if you will. Yeah, because he, he does most of the talking. He does most of the the building. Yeah. If you will. Um, should we move into Q's and O's? I think we can. I think we can. This episode is very hard to kind of talk about in our, most, our more usual structure um, because of the way that it is just storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not seeing any of our characters progress or deal with anything uh, in real time. No. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm ready to move into Q's and O's. Do you have any questions? Yeah, I do. Um, so when Ennis draws his little whirly thing mm-hmm. in the steel, yeah, everybody reacts like it is the most dramatic thing they've ever seen, and and it is dramatic. But my question is, is that like magic? Can he not take that back? Mm, I no, I think what everybody was reacting to was an extreme demonstration of grief, which makes anybody like taken aback. You Uncomfortable. Know? Yeah. yeah. It just seemed so weird. It, it it seemed it seemed like a once I do this, people gotta die. Well, I think that he is in in that demonstration he is committing to it. I don't think it's a, mag- a like I don't think there's like binding magic to that. Yeah. Cuz Peter goes and draws it on the window like in the condensation just not but a moment later. So I don't think it's binding. Well, maybe you need your claws for it. Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Although every time I see that I I can't help but think that there's actual no comfortable way for your hand to turn in a s- spiral and create that motion. Maybe they just twist their bones i have no idea maybe they're really like flexible you know people who are like double Double jointed jointed. yeah like extra jointed you could just like go all the which ways yeah um that scene is cool it's interesting mm -hmm. to me that the scene in the warehouse uh going back to that area that where deucalion is blinded takes place in the daytime yeah. I thought that was a weirdly good choice, especially because so much of Teen Wolf, I'm like, I can't see shit. <laughs> well, and like, I think this happens right before it, that Paige gets bitten in the school and it's dark and she's just in the school in the dark at nighttime. Yeah. Teen Wolf. They Guys. kick you out of the school. They sure do. And they there's usually the like... The lights stay on for a long time too. And even when they go out, there's like little generator lights and stuff. It's not completely dark anyway yeah um i'm pretty sure my school had motion sensor lights in some of the hallways definitely ma- definitely the bathrooms yeah that makes sense i my other question is just like logistical okay because when they go to the warehouse gerard like opens the valve or whatever and everybody gets poisoned and we it's not wolfsbane because his human people are having an issue with it, and he gives himself a little EpiPen. Mm-hmm. How did he do that in this abandoned distillery warehouse that doesn't work anymore? Uh, I guess I do not know what's going on in those uh, distilling barrels. 
If you were to be like, they create toxic gas after a long enough time, I'd be like, okay. But I don't know what toxic gas would be, um, you'd be immune to with a shot. Yeah. Um, I just wish it was Wolfsbane. I wish the smoke was purple. Or something. Then um, we'd just know. Well, yeah, we would just know. But uh, he also has to release something that uh, hurts his own men so that he can fake their murders. Yeah. So it would have to be like a, a toxin to both creatures, I, human and werewolf. Like, I just don't know what it would be. Or how a shot would save him. Uh, I feel like he would, he, he should have just put a gas mask on. Or something that would have been far more creepy. Far creepier. Um, yeah. Uh, like, logistically, that does not make sense to me. Um, it is horrific. But those are my, those are my questions. Do you have questions? Uh, my one question is how do werewolves age and do they go to school like Twilight style? <laughs> I Like, do they have to kind of stay in high school for like a little bit longer than they're supposed to because they age so slow? Do you know what I actually think it is? Huh? I feel like it's vampire baby thing. Not that they grow like super fast, but that they grow to a certain point and then like stop growing. Oh, Renesmee. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. I okay. didn't want to say, I didn't want to say it. You didn't want to say um, resume? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, it, it gives me some flashbacks. Um, yeah, I feel like they probably progress to a certain point and then look the same age for quite some time. Okay. Until they get... I'll buy that. But it's funny because, uh, Styles asks Cora how old she is and she goes 17, but that's only years I've been alive. Which is so weird. So weird. Also kind of just like a really funny thing to say. Like, I think next time somebody asks me how old I am, I'm going to be like 24, but that's only years I've been alive. I mean, I do think she probably said that because of what Peter had just said. Yeah. Because Styles is like, how old are you? And, uh, you know, Peter was just like, I don't know. How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. He, he, gives him, he gives the exact uh, answer I would expect from the Teen Wolf writers, which is vague and fake deep. Yeah. Ugh. God. Bless them, truly. We're so happy to be here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of ready to move into observations. I didn't have a lot of questions about this episode. Because, again, as much as stuff happens, nothing happens. That's yeah. why I thought the, the recap was going to go so quick. There's just about 8,000 mini-scenes where nobody does anything of consequence. There's just, like, minutiae we didn't need. We did not need it, but I would prefer the minutia to be evenly spaced out throughout the season as opposed to just dumped. Yeah. It's, I mean, this, this episode kind of seemed like they didn't really know what they were going to do after that three episode arc that we really like. Yeah. Um, because I feel like there are, there were parts in earlier episodes in this season where we could have just been dropping some hints or dropping some flashbacks that would have benefited us and then we wouldn't have had if, to spend a whole episode on it. Even if just in the past we had seen Derek have damage about this stuff earlier on, like he is obviously damaged, but it's like general damage. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways to signify that. Like maybe Derek has a locket. Maybe Derek has a picture of her. Maybe Derek, whatever. Maybe Derek doesn't sleep with some lady cause he has intimacy issues now. I don't know. I don't know either. It's all, <laughs> it's it's all gross. Yeah. Um, do you have any other observations? Um, as 
horrible as the scene in the warehouse is and like with the arrows and with Gerard's little like mace stick. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do appreciate that Teen Wolf tries for realism. There's a lot of blood going on. It was very bloody. And so was the death, um, in the Nematon. There's a lot of blood on her hands and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I really loved that scene. Um, I think the way that he gets blinded is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I said earlier, it's like Oedipal because after Oedipus like finds out what he did, what had, what he's done, he blinds himself with pins. Yeah. But it's like a, the sort of similar motion of both going into both eyes at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it also was a little bit more like the myth of not the myth. This <laughs> happened <laughs> like the story of St. Sebastian who like is basically shot, is shot with arrows just because it's discovered that he's a Christian, which is basically what Gerard does to mm. Deucalion. He kills him just because he's a werewolf. Yeah. Stabs him. He doesn't kill him. But I mean, but St. That... Sebastian didn't die either. So yeah. Um, they kill that other werewolf for like right at the beginning and slice through his throat. It's yeah. With an arrow. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Patron saint of arrows, St. Sebastian. Um, I did like having the little parallel at the end of Scott being like, I don't believe you. And Styles being like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, yeah, cause they are not In- intuitive. <laughs> they are smart. They use their critical thinking skills. Um, Scott's I- doing a lot more critical thinking these days. I, I'm proud of him. Yeah. And it's, we actually saw that happening. We saw him studying for the SAT. We saw him reading books. Mm-hmm. We know why that's happening. That I like. Yes. Um, Natural character progression. Yeah. Heart of Darkness, heavy-handed, but I I don't know. It's nice to have a reminder that they're in high school. Well, I also, it was nice to have a reminder that this show is for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. So, so often I'm like, oh, God, that was so, you know, that was too much. That was so heavy-handed. That was so obvious. And then I'm like, this show is not for me. Who spent <laughs> most of like my college career analyzing like television? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I yeah. As much as I was like, we get it. I was like, well, some people might not. So that's a good explanation. If you haven't read Heart of Fair Darkness enough. yet in school, yeah. maybe you haven't talked about that. Maybe. Um. I just had one more. Go ahead. Observation. And this is kind of a complaint about like going forward in the series um, because we're told in this episode that Talia is kind of like all powerful people uh, come from miles around to come talk to her yeah, because she has like pilgrims. Yeah. She is like a shapeshifter and she, and they like come to her for counsel cause she's so wise and she leads the whole pack of her family. And we find out later that Derek has that same ability and they do nothing to flesh it out in the same way. I know because the implication is that he's going to take over his mom's uh, role and like rebuild the pack. And that's even what Cora says. She's like, that's what I heard. Um, and it never comes to fruition, and it makes me, it bums me out. Yeah, that would have been a much better 6B. Agreed. You know what? This is going to sound really weird. You know what episode I think does this episode better than this episode? I can't wait to hear. Uh, it's in season five. <laughs> oh, one. God. You get one season five. No, the episode where they tell the story of Le Bête de Chivadon. Yeah, that's a great because it's it is all backstory. Mm-hmm. It's all necessary to know. It is part of the Argent mythos, and it's all one story. It all makes sense. Why did that one work? Mostly because they tried and failed and <laughs> practiced and got better, I guess. Yeah. 
Plus, Crystal Reed came back, so... So, we were like... Bless her. Yeah. It's kind of like there was... um, In Psych, in their last season, they literally, like, redid one of their episodes from the first season because they were like, it's the final season. We felt that episode wasn't really good. And it's our show. We can do what we want. We're going to write it better. Should we go back and do our first episode again? Perhaps. Mayhaps. Maybe. Let us know if that's something you would be interested in. They're like, no, we already suffered through it once. Please. Um, Okay, my observations... You know what I thought was really kind of um, great hmm. is right at the scene when Peter's like, you guys could be together forever. Uh, that is when she's playing Ave Maria on the cello, oh, which is a wedding song. Yeah, it is. Which is like, oh, that one was good. I did not need to hear Lacrimosa or any of the other like choral songs I sang for solo and ensemble in high school, but I thought the Ave Maria sort of like, we'll be together forever thing was like very good. Sometimes they really do hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. That one was good. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I uh, I think I, I, I got through most of mine in talk because my other big one is like, oh my God, there's too many myths. Like there's too many different stories inside of the stories. Yeah. Uh, anytime anybody brings open a book when they're already telling a story, I'm like... Bad news bears. Mm, too much. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Oh, I really loved this is... Not an astute observation or anything, but I think the scene where Deucalion is told that his eyes will, he'll never see, like his eyes will heal, but he'll never see again is, and then he kills that guy is, well, he attacks, well, Beta attacks him first, Mm -hmm. which confused me. Oh, because he thinks he's weak and he thinks he can take over. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That scene is so good. It's really good. I, well, and I wrote down too that, um, before they like walk into the confrontation, Deucalion says to Deaton, I'm an alpha. I never walk alone. And then yeah, he's blinded. He is alone. And his beta tries to, to get him. Mm-hmm. And that so is good. the impetus and then of he's the word, the alpha pack. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how, how much he is daredevil. Yeah. Like just because the, the, the idea of like having the heightened senses, not because you're blind, because he's obviously a werewolf, but like that obviously increases them and stuff. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get poison dumped in his eyes. Fun fact: the same poison that uh, the chemicals that blinded Matt Murdock turned the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is fascinating. For a hot <laughs> second, I thought you were going to compare the chemicals to like the scene in the warehouse, and I was like, that's a long walk no 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 i was just gonna tell you that i'm actually i'm not actually sure if that's true throughout uh the teenage mutant ninja turtle canon but i do know it is true in some parts of it so what an insane phenomenon i know the teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah crazy and yet very important to my brother (laughs) i remember watching it when i was little um that's the last of my observations should we go into uh our pack stats Let's do it. Um, before we get into that, I realized that we had not said who wrote and directed this episode. Oh, we should retroactively At, do that, but you already know who did it. Uh, yeah, Mr. Russell Mulcahy and directed it. No water. No water. Bummer. Maybe they were like, Russell, Russell too much. Everything is <laughs> soaked the set. Come on. Well, there was plenty of like fog and darkness, um, and he made that choice to have it happen in the daytime. Maybe. Might have been in the script. Who knows? Um, and it was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey again. The, the, the dynamic trio of Teen Wolf season three. I would agree. And you know what? As much as I'm shitting on this episode, 
Uh, it didn't offend me. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, this is the worst the writing's ever been, and the directing was as fine as it is with Muscle Mulcahy directing. It wasn't, it was not bad at all. Yeah. Not a word I'd use to describe it. Um, yeah, pack stats. We had five eyes. As we knew we were gonna. Yeah, lots and lots of them. Two claws. Um, I counted when Ennis did his little ringy ring thing, and I counted when, um, Derek killed Paige, because I thought that that was how he did it. No, he breaks her back. He I crushes guess. her spine. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, well, then, you know what? I'm sure that there was a second pair of claws in there, so we're just so going to... just give them, like, an extra claws. Yeah. And if you notice more claws, don't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we do not want to know. Um, no shirts. Good. It would be weird. Yeah. Gratuitous nudity. We don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, perhaps... The most egregious <laughs> ad in all of Teen Wolf. I remember watching this episode with Quinn, my older sister, when it aired, and her being like... I have to leave. She got up and left the room <laughs> when Peter holds up the Reese's and it's like so few perfect, perfect combinations in the world or whatever the F he says. It's like, Oh my God, we get it. Reese's delicious. But now I'm not convinced to buy them. Had there just been Reese's on the screen while the conversation was happening, I'd be like, Hmm, chocolate. But like, it's so, you just need to put it in front of me. Like yeah. you just like there is never a scenario where I'm watching a commercial that has pizza in it that I don't walk away thinking, oh, I want pizza, pizza. now. I just well, see I'm it. Also, yeah, like as I am a human, therefore susceptible to advertising. Yeah. You are not immune to propaganda. Um, I just I want to know what the agreement, like what the sponsorship benefits were for Reese's, where they got to be like, this is how it has to be in your episode. Yeah. Because it, it could not have been something that they were just like, oh, you know what would be brilliant? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's too much. So, oh, so much. Um, Any sirens? Do we have sirens? One. Oh, I, I didn't even notice. Un singular, at the way at the beginning. Cool. Great. A plus. Awesome. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, this has been another slightly abnormal episode of the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf, but honestly, the last two episodes have... Mm, facilitated that Mm -hmm. um which i'm always down for uh if you enjoyed this podcast and i hope you did i hope you leave us a review on itunes you can follow us on twitter at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle and you can follow us on tumblr if you want to participate in some teen wolf discussion you can join our facebook group which is just teen wolf rewolf podcast uh it's an open group just go ahead and join it and make new friends um other than that I have been Christian. And I'm still Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Oh, woo. Oh, woo.